Welcome to Alec Across the States. I'm your host, Dan Reynolds. Today, we're recording this podcast on Thursday, March 19th. COVID-19 currently has people staying inside and practicing social distancing, or the better. We're recording this podcast actually in a completely virtual manner. But what if there was a virtual tool that can keep you in your home, but still get you in front of a doctor? That's the vision offered by the growing field of telehealth, and it's what we're going to be discussing today. Joining me are two experts on the subject. First, from Alec, Brooklyn Roberts, who is the Alec Director of the Health and Human Services Task Force. Brooklyn, thank you so much for calling in. Thanks, Dan. Of course. And we also have Latoya Thomas, who is the Director of Policy and Government Affairs for Doctor on Demand, which is a really interesting organization that we're going to be explaining today to our listeners. Latoya, thank you very much for calling in. No problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So for our listeners who aren't aware, can you give a brief explainer or walkthrough of what Doctor On Demand is and what you guys do? Sure, no problem. I'd love to just share who we are because uh, we have done a really good job of connecting technology with people. Um, Doctor On Demand is a virtual care company. Uh, We're actually one of the fastest growing national virtual care companies in the country. We offer patients access to secure, on-demand, and scheduled video, audio, and secure messaging visits with licensed primary care providers, psychiatrists, psychologists, and other integrated health service professionals uh, throughout the entire country. So we make telehealth services available to patients across the entire life cycle in all 50 states. That's awesome. And, And really important, I think, when you consider the headlines today and with the coronavirus, COVID-19 pandemic that we're currently facing, that's an infectious viral situation, right? So any anything that we can increase and, and double down on that provides checkups, provides care, and provides still doctor consultation, I think is extremely important. Brooklyn, I know you wanted to ask Latoya a few questions about states specifically and how they've been dealing with telehealth you know, what has been the state response to telehealth? Has it been accepting? Has it been, you know, good? Has it been tough to move past the goal line? Talk to our listeners about that. Um, I think that telehealth is kind of having its moment right now, so to speak. Not that it was not a big deal before because it's kind of advanced with technology, but they're paying so much more attention to it now because of this crisis. And I actually wanted to ask Latoya, Telehealth is increasingly important, especially in this current situation. And, you know, we're trying to minimize the spread of the virus. How does telehealth work in this situation? That's a great question. Thanks so much, Brooklyn. You know, telehealth is playing a vital public role in the COVID-19 pandemic right now. Um, At Doctor in Demand, we're able to support the healthcare system and patients in preparation, screening, triage, uh, and treatment for COVID-19. Um, as consumer awareness and fluency with virtual care solutions increases, uh, we'll continue to see telehealth be on the front line for public health emergencies. During this time, we're also learning valuable lessons for the future. We're learning to work closely with government entities and disseminate protocols and encourage a more favorable regulatory environment. We're also establishing tighter integration with brick-and-mortar providers. I have a few specifics on our own clinical protocols that I'm, I'm happy to share with you that kind of highlights what happens when a doctor-on-demand physician is encountering a patient who's suspected uh, with exposure to coronavirus. So it essentially starts off with 
our doctors evaluating uh, and assessing the patient to determine who's classified as a person under investigation uh, or suspected with coronavirus. They do this based on up-to-date criteria uh, and any changes to local transmission patterns. Our clinical support team and our care team, which is integrated with our larger healthcare team of physicians and nurse practitioners, will then determine if there are testing resources in the patient's area. Then there's one of three options that will occur based on that patient's local area and available resources. The patient may be sent to a drive-by testing site, and the patient may be sent to a local testing site or center. And if there's no drive-by testing site or local testing center available in that patient's community, we'll consult with the local public health department to report the case and determine next steps based on public health department recommendations. It's important to note that our physicians and nurse practitioners are doing all of these assessments virtually. And again, this is while the patients are in their home. So it helps the patient to, one, be a little less anxious because they're in the comfort of their own home and not necessarily at a healthcare facility. But once we determine that maybe that patient is not infected with COVID-19, we're not necessarily sending them to an emergency room so that they're unnecessarily exposed to other patients who may be infected but they're also not unnecessarily using the resources of the local hospitals and health systems. We know that their attention right now should be focused on treating and diagnosing those with much more severe cases. I know that legislators have done a lot in the last few years to try to expand broadband access, but I'm wondering, do we have adequate infrastructure to support the demand that we're currently facing for telehealth services? That's a great question, Brooklyn. You know, we were really pleased to see the SEC Commissioner Pai come out and ask uh, service providers to essentially attest to not throttling or adjusting any type of service capabilities for their internet services via broadband or wireless. And it's been nice to see a number of the internet service providers respond to that and commit to not throttling or raising the rate of internet services during this time. I think that they understand that there is increased demand for internet services for healthcare, but also for those folks who are working from home uh, or for those families whose children are now um, going through online classes if they are presently out of school for this particular emergency situation. So this is clearly something that should be expanded. It sounds wildly beneficial. And it definitely deals with Medicaid coverage, right? And states have different laws about how Medicaid coverage is dealt with um, when it comes to telehealth. So many of our listeners, as Alec is the largest nonpartisan organization of state legislators, many of our listeners are state legislators. So what would you say to state legislators who want to maximize coverage of telehealth? What are some next steps or principles they should keep in mind? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, the good news is that as a result of the president's national emergency declaration, the states have been given a lot of flexibility under the 1135 waiver. Uh, So I think there are a few things that states should keep in mind as they're developing their own waivers and submitting those CMS for approval. Um, The first is streamlining your provider enrollment. In 2016, Congress passed the 21st Century Cures Act. And within that, there were requirements that all healthcare providers 
who wanted to serve Medicaid patients needed to be duly enrolled with that respective Medicaid program. As you can imagine, numerous states are now enforcing that, and not every state is accommodating healthcare providers who are providing services virtually. So I think it's important that states, through their waiver authorities, streamline some of those provider enrollment processes, either by expediting the provider enrollment process, recognizing that you may get telehealth providers who are duly licensed to practice in your state, but may be located physically out of state and allowing for accommodations of that, or for allowing auto enrollment of healthcare providers if they are duly credentialed by one of your Medicaid managed care entities. I think other things that states can do to ensure more comprehensive coverage of telehealth under their Medicaid program is removing originating site restrictions. It is very clear through the Centers for Disease Control and other standards that have come out over the past few weeks that it is important that we're keeping patients in their home. And one of the wonderful advantages of delivering telehealth is that you can adequately diagnose and treat patients in their home, not just for issues related to COVID-19, but also for uh, just whole patient and whole person-centered care. We have noticed that a number of patients who are using Doctor On Demand are using us to just ensure they have their physicians, their, their prescriptions filled for 90 days, just in preparation for additional lockdowns in some states. We also are seeing a significant uh, number of patients reaching out to us and wanting behavioral health visits. Perhaps they're a little anxious or a little concerned about what this particularly means for them and their families, and they want to talk to someone about this. Uh, we're also getting folks reaching out to us, especially those over the age of 65 who are lonely. They're not living in skilled nursing facilities, but they live on their own. They live at home and have been told to stay at home and are not necessarily engaging with their community because of our emergency standards right now. And so using telehealth just to check in with these patients for behavioral health reasons, as in addition to medical reasons, and ensuring that there's coverage for that in the home uh, is extremely important. I would also add removing any arbitrary mileage or time barriers that may require a patient to live within a few miles or a few minutes of a healthcare provider. Those barriers are, are often moot in times like this. And certainly, even once we're done managing this particular pandemic, they impose barriers on patients that are just kind of unnecessary. And finally, I would say that it's important that state legislatures promote the values of telehealth as an important public health tool. Uh, I think that what we are seeing and what we're prepared for at Doctor on Demand is the role that we're playing in addressing and responding to this particular public health pandemic, but recognizing that we are now connected to these patients, which means that we're connected to a broader health ecosystem. So as we're exchanging health records with the patient's permissions, with other specialists, with maybe a primary care provider that they've already identified, the, our relationships with the patients aren't going to end once COVID-19 is managed. They're going to continue. And I think it's important that public health officials and, and elected officials understand how telehealth plays a role in the longitudinal care of patients and are not further fragmenting care. Brooklyn, do you think states will capitalize on this watershed moment for telehealth or maybe for our listeners who are perhaps on the fence about this idea that they might not understand? What happens if states don't 
capitalize on this moment? I think that they'll be left behind in a lot of ways. I mean, even before this crisis, um, people are increasingly using their devices, their laptops, their phones to access all kinds of services. And medicine is just one of them. I think that, you know, as we advance and as technology advances, you're going to see more and more of that. And I I kind of think that they're in a situation where they will eventually be forced to adopt. And the ones that adopt early will see a big benefit. I think that's a great point. With that, it does bring us to the back end of our segment. Latoya, is there anything else you'd like to leave our listeners with? Absolutely. Thanks so much for asking. You know, look, without question, uh, the capacity of the U.S. healthcare infrastructure right now is being strained in unprecedented ways. You know, this is particularly true of the telehealth industry. This is the first time that we're seeing government officials and providers and health plans and employers recommend telehealth as the first choice for care as opposed to an alternative. You know, as in a virtual care company with doctors licensed to deliver care in all 50 states, we've mobilized support while continuously ramping up to meet increasing demand. With that said, I think it would be extremely important for state legislatures to engage with their governors to ensure that healthcare providers are allowed to practice across state lines in instances of an emergency. What we've identified is kind of a quilted patchwork of laws where some states are permissive during a state of emergency and some states are either unsure or silent. Uh, in order for all of us to be able to react to this in, in a standardized way, it would be really nice for states to kind of all get on the same board and have permissions and processes that would allow for out-of-state practice. Well, I'm Dan Reynolds, host of ALEC Across the States, and I've been sitting down with Brooklyn Roberts, the ALEC Director of the Health and Human Services Task Force, and Latoya Thomas, the Director of Policy and Government Affairs for Doctor on Demand. Brooklyn, Latoya, thank you so much for calling in and joining us for this virtual podcast where we discussed telehealth and how it can be a great solution to COVID-19. Thanks, Dan, for having us. Of course. And if you're interested in having your idea featured on the Alec Across the States podcast, don't hesitate to email acrossthestates at alec.org. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Across the States, the leading state-focused policy podcast presented by the American Legislative Exchange Council, the premier free market organization of and for legislators. To learn more about our work or to make a tax-deductible donation, visit alec.org. Tell us what you think on Facebook and Twitter at Alex States. The views and opinions expressed on Across the States are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the American Legislative Exchange Council.